know. I love the drapes here. It reminds me of the, uh, the temple, you know, the curtains in the temple. And thankfully, the curtain is torn in two. Amen? We have access to God. Um, so, as Mark, Pastor Mark said, I am the director at the, the Light of the World Prayer Center. We have literally just moved location, and we're now at Living Hope Fellowship, which is on uh, West Smith Road. And you're probably asking, what do we do at the prayer center? Well, we pray and we worship. And uh, so we're both inside and we're outside in the community as well. That's probably a good way of looking at it. So during the week, we have about 35 hours of prayer. We pray about different things. Um... Pastor Mark mentioned that landmark Roe versus Wade case. We've been praying a lot about that. But we also pray as well. We pray for revival. We have Judy, our, 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 one of our uh, prayer warriors here. She leads a prayer set and uh, reading through Revelation. And so we also pray out in the community as well. So, for example, every Tuesday... We pick one school in Whatcom County, and we'll physically go to that location and pray around it. So at that time, we pray both in the prayer room and we pray for the school. Because let me tell you, schools are just under pressure at the moment. The curriculum, the, the, you know, the anxiety, the depression, the suicide in schools is unbelievable. You know, and so we've taken that as a priority. We want to pray for the next generation, pray protection over them, pray for the Christian witness to, to rise up within the schools there. Uh, another thing that we do in the community is that we pray for pastors as well. Uh, Mark and I are part of a, and Pastor Ryan, we share in a pastor group where we worship the Lord together. We go upward for worship, always based on scripture. We go inward for confession, and then we go outward and we pray for ministry as well. And so we're involved, and all I would say to that is come and join us. If you want to pray during the week, if you've got time, we would love to have you there. And uh, like I say, we've literally just moved into our new location. It's at Living Hope Fellowship on West Smith Road. I just want to share this morning, the Lord has given me a message that I believe is for the church. And the message is this morning is it's God's aching heart. God's aching heart for the, the brokenhearted. And so I'm going to be sharing this morning from John 4 and about the Samaritan. Well, I'm just going to dive in straight and we'll read the scripture and then we'll pray afterwards. But I'm going to read from John 4, verse 4 to 30, and then 39 to 42. You can follow the words that are up on the screen there. Verse 4. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. 
How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, Give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands. And the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and is now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, See a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Jumping down to verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them and he stayed two days And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Lord Jesus Christ, we declare this morning at Northwest Baptist Church that you are the savior of the world. Father, thank you for sending your son whom you loved to die on the cross at Calvary. 
that he was buried in the tomb and three days later rose again to life, the risen, resurrected Savior of the world. We give him glory and honor and praise and majesty and might and power to him this morning. Father, thank you for being with us here this morning. Thank you, Lord, that on account of your ascension, you have sent the Holy Spirit. It was a gift with us, and I pray for that anointing of the Holy Spirit upon me, Lord, as I share this message, not my own words, but your words, Lord. And I also pray, Father, for every person in this congregation, for their hearts to be open to the word, the encouragement of Scripture, but also the challenge. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, you know, here we have this uh, very unusual story in, in Scripture. And so, first of all, Jesus asks this woman for a drink. And if you notice in the Scripture, says, she says, hold on a minute. You know, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan, and by the way, we don't talk. In fact, you know, uh, the Jews didn't get on with Samaritans at all. It was a bit like the Scots and the English. You know, there's a bit of this, a bit of tension there. In fact, it was known that if uh, Jewish people were coming to Samaria, they would actually walk around Samaria rather than going through it. Such was the adversity between them. So she understands this situation that he's breaking cultural norms. And the other thing here, which is quite unusual as well, is that Jesus is a man and he is a rabbi. Let me tell you, rabbis don't speak singly with women. In our culture, that's quite accepted, right? But in Jewish culture, it was only the the male boys who were educated. It was only the male boys that went to school and they were taught the Old Testament scriptures. They were taught the Torah and and it was the the daughter's job to stay home with mom and to to look after the house. The the girls weren't educated. So what you have here is this, uh, this Jewish rabbi in the presence of a woman. That's unheard of. And you notice the disciples' reaction when they come back from the town. They're like, Jesus, what are you doing? You're, 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 you know, in their mind, it's like frying their mind because he, he's like talking alone with a woman. It just wasn't done. They didn't tell him, obviously, because he's their master and they're, you know, and they're following him. But you can see in their minds, they're thinking, what's going on here? Something else unusual about this as well. You know, uh, why is she at the well alone? Scripture says elsewhere, you know, uh, when Moses was coming out of the desert and the, the priest of Midian his, had seven daughters and they were at the well together. And the, there's reasons for that. If you remember the story back in Moses and he scared off the shepherds. Well, women didn't go to the well alone. They went in numbers for safety, right? And it was also a point of social contact for them. It was a hugely important time. Even in today's culture, if you go out to the Middle East, Middle East, you'll see women drawing water from the well. And they're not alone, right? They're 
together and they communicate, you know. And the hour as well, the hour that she's there, my Bible has a note saying it's six o'clock in the evening. What is she doing getting water at six o'clock in the evening? That's not the time when you draw water. You draw water at the start of the day for that day. Well, what I'm going to share with you is speculation. You know why I think she's there alone? She doesn't want to hear this. She doesn't want to hear the gossip. She doesn't want to see the, the looks of disdain. She doesn't want to see the finger pointing. She's hurting and she's in pain. She's broken hearted. That's why she's there alone. Nobody wants to be seen with her. She's a social outcast. She's an embarrassment, right? And yet, Jesus comes at this time and ministers to her. And what you see there is God's aching heart for the brokenhearted. Jesus, let's remember who he is. He's the son of God, Emmanuel, God with us. He had every reason to avoid this embarrassing situation. And nobody would have batted an eyelid. If he just totally ignored the woman, that would have been socially acceptable. And yet, he chose that time. He knows all time, by the way. He's the Alpha and the Omega, right? He's got all time in his hands. There's no coincidence in the time that he arrives at the well. No, the time he arrives is God's time because God the Father wants to minister to this woman in her pain and in her anguish. Let me tell you, as a pastor, I have dealt uh, with many years in, in terms of counseling and family dysfunction. And when you look at one divorce in a family, it's terrible, right? It's awful, the fallout and the consequences from that on the couple, on the children. And it goes on for decades, right? And it's trauma. And we're talking here with a woman who's been through five husbands, for whatever reason, and now she's not even on that. Now she's living a sexually immoral lifestyle with somebody who's not even her husband, right? That's trauma right there. This woman, as we say in Scotland right now, she's gutted. She's absolutely broken. Let me tell you, you know, I've seen that pain firsthand. I know what it's like to counsel I'm counseling two people, you know, right now who are going in that situation. And it is a painful, painful process. And yet, you know, God doesn't ignore that. God's heart is aching to be with the brokenhearted. He wants to minister to the brokenhearted, to those who are hurting. That's his heart. And here's the thing, folks, you know, he wants to use us in that. Because his heart hasn't changed. His ministry plan hasn't changed at all, right? He wants to use us 
to minister to those who are brokenhearted and in the, in the community around us, those who are suffering in anguish and in pain. Let me tell you something about God's broken heart. You know, we sang about uh, Christ this morning. And, uh, you know, as we sing about that, I'm reminded of Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. When he is crying out to his Father in heaven and he's saying, Father, will you take this cup from me? Not by my will, but yours be done. He's in utter anguish to the point where he is, his sweat is like drops of blood on the ground. My grandfather was in the trenches in World War I. And, uh, you know, they went up over and basically they just got mowed down by the, the German machine guns. But there is, there is recorded incidents of soldiers in World War I where their sweat was like drops of blood because of the sheer trauma that they were about to go through, knowing that they were going to go over the trench and lose their life. The Father is there with Jesus in that Garden of Gethsemane. And let me tell you something. He knows pain. To see the Son he loves on his knees and knowing that he can't help him in any kind of way because there was no other way to pay the price for sin than for Jesus Christ, his own Son, whom he loved to go to the cross and die for us, right? God knows about pain. He knows about anguish. And you see that here in this situation with the Samaritan woman. His heart, he's not aloof from pain. No, he's right there with us in the thick of it. Psalm 139 that Pastor Mark read there, uh, verse 7 says this, Where can I go from your presence? Where can I flee from your spirit? There is nowhere that you can go from his presence. There is nowhere that you can flee from his spirit. God is with you in Every situation in life that you're going to go through. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. He walks you through in that trial. He walks you through that time of pain and suffering in your life and anguish. Maybe I'm speaking to somebody this morning and you can relate to this woman at the well. The fact that you're in church and you're trying to hold it together and yet deep down you're gutted. You're broken hearted because of life circumstances or whatever's going on. And you're in pain right now. Maybe this message is for you. To know that the Father's heart is compassionate. And he loves you. And he cares for you so much. And he knows the pain that you're walking through. I want to share with you just a couple of examples here. And, uh, you know, I was actually, uh, as part of my ministry at the, the Light of the World Prayer Center, we, we try and reach out to our native brothers and sisters in the community. We're trying to build bridges there. It's difficult, right? Uh, there's a lot of pain there, obviously, from uh, uh, you know years gone by. A lot of suffering. If you go down onto the uh, the reservations, you know, family dysfunction is off the scale. Drug addiction, alcohol addiction, suicide, death. They live with it every single day there. And so I brought to, together um, it, it, at the Light of the World Prayer Center. We had about thirty. Uh, Lummi believers and missionaries to the Lummi and people whose heart was for the, 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 the Lummi people 
and they're beautiful people, you know. We got together, we had a wonderful time of uh, worship, and we had a wonderful time of communion together, and then we went from the, the Light of the World Prayer Center, and we went down onto the Lummi Reservation, and we prayed at five different locations. And we used this thing, it's a, a scripture stake, it's just a bit of plastic, but it's got scriptures on it. And we asked our native brothers and sisters, what, what, what scriptures do you want read out over the land? And it was interesting what scriptures they shared, and we wrote those on this scripture stake. There's no power in the stake, it's just a bit of plastic. No, the power is in the word of God and the prayers of God's people. That's where the power is at, right? And so we went to five different locations, two of those were on the water, because they're a water people, right? In fact, today, after church, if you want, you can go down there having their Stomish event down there where they, they take out their ancestral, their traditional canoes. They were doing that yesterday and there, there's stuff going on down there. And it's a festival based around the water. They, they, you know, they have a salmon festival. So we had two locations on the water and we met, we broke up into four groups Five groups, sorry. And uh, in this particular group, I was with my wife, Sharon. And uh, we had uh, uh, Steve, who was from the Navajo tribe. And we were up at Cherry Point, right? And we're looking south, and we're looking over onto Lummi Island. And we're just there. We went up there to, to read Scripture aloud so that the Lord would break through into the spiritual darkness over the, over the Lummi Reservation, Right? And so the four of us, well, the four of us are there, and I noticed that my uh, lummy friend, Denise is her name, and she's not praying. And I said, Denise, sister, would you like to pray? And she's broken, right? She's been there. She's over 70 years old. She was born and raised on the reservation. She said, you know, I lost my husband to alcohol. I lost my son to alcohol. My niece is a drug addict. And there was another drug addiction in her family. And she's utterly broken there. Tears falling off her cheeks into the ground. You see, we actually went up there to put the stake in, the scripture stake in, and to anoint the ground with oil. And Denise anointed the ground with her tears. And the pain and the anguish was so evident in her life. We got around her and we laid hands on her and started praying for her. We we're like three total strangers to her, right? And yet, that pain was just under the surface there. You're not telling me that God doesn't want to minister into that. Of course he does. Of course he does, Right? That's his heart. You see, his heart is for the brokenhearted. Psalm 34 verse 18 says this. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. That's exactly what he was doing there at the Samaritan, at the, at the well with the Samaritan woman, right? That's exactly what he was doing. He was being close to the brokenhearted and saving those who were crushed in spirit. That's his heart. The father's heart is aching to be involved in the brokenness and in the pain and in the anguish of people's life because he wants to use us in it. We're his ministers, brothers and sisters. We are the wants. I'll share one more story with you. And... Um, we have uh, 
uh, on Friday, uh, Judy and I were part of a, a, a prayer cell where we a prayer set where we pray for the poor, the homeless in the in downtown Bellingham, and uh, not all the time, but every, so every Tuesday they have a group that goes down and they ministers to homeless people. I, I can't make it all the time. I'm just too busy. But there was one time I was down there. I'm going to say this is probably about two months ago. So it was pretty recent on a Tuesday night. And the, the, the group, they'll hand out sandwiches and socks and just offer to pray for people, you know. And there was this young guy called Justin, 24 years old. I have to say this, though, you know, as a prayer point as well. We probably ministered to about 12 different people in that uh, hour and a half, right? And eight of them were openly doing drugs in front of us. Eight out of 12. That's what it's like down there. This guy, Justin, my daughter's 22. He's almost the same age as my daughter. And I said, hey, Justin, how, how can I pray for you? And he's utterly broken and starts telling me about his situation and, and this trauma, right? And as we're, as we're praying there, he pulls down his sleeve and he shows me he tried to kill himself. The guy's 24 years old, for goodness sake. You know, I don't know if this is politically correct or not, but I'm a hugger, you know. And I said to him, I said, man, I just want to give you a hug. You know what I mean? I just want to give you a hug. And I wrap my arms around this. I'm hugging a dead guy. He's addicted to fentanyl, right? If he's going to be alive in six months' time, it'll be a miracle. And yet, that pain and that anguish was right there, and it was so very real. And, you know, the Lord allowed us to kind of minister, and he used us because his heart was breaking for Justin as it was for Denise, as it was for the woman in Samaria at the well there. His heart hasn't changed Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Amen? His heart hasn't changed. It hasn't. He says in uh, Psalm, uh, Psalm 147, verse 3, he says this. He heals the brokenhearted and builds, and sorry, and binds up their wounds. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Isn't that beautiful? That our Father in heaven, that he's not so aloof. People think that God doesn't care. No, he feels the pain. He feels your pain this morning. And you might be saying here, yeah, but Bill, you know what? I'm not, I'm not called to the, uh, the lummy. I'm not called to the homelessness. Brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you this morning. You're called to minister to the brokenhearted. You know, the funny thing is, you know the woman at the well. You know her. You know the Samaritan woman at the well. She's in your family, right? She's maybe the lesbian in your family. At work, you know her. It could be the man who's getting divorced 
from his wife because of his pornographic addiction. You know that person at school who's out drinking because of an abusive situation at home or doing drugs? You know who I'm talking about because the pain and the anguish is right there. You don't have to go too far. It's in this room, okay? It's in this room right now. It is. I get a sense of that right now. It's in this room. I just want you to know the Father knows your pain and he knows your, your, your suffering as well. And uh, you've got a feathered friend here. <laughs> is it a white dove? Maybe it's a Holy Spirit. You know? <laughs> right? But you know who I'm talking about. You do. I'm going to pray in a little while and I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal that person to you, to reveal that face to you, to reveal that name to you. And you know what? Here's the thing. You can minister into that. How can I pray for you? Powerful, powerful words. How can I pray for you? You would be amazed how people will open up to you. And, 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 And here's the thing, right? The world is just desperate for the love and the compassion and the tenderness of Christ. They're absolutely aching for it. God's heart is aching for them. They're aching for it. They're desperate for it. I was, when I was 19 years old, I thought I was living life and, and uh, my, you know, my life was empty. You know? And someone shared Christ with me. I had a lot of pain there. Now I've just got content. I've got peace with the Lord. Isn't he beautiful? He is the light of the world. Whoever follows him will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I'm testimony to that fact right now. But here's the kicker. This is a good message, and it's what the Lord has given me. I know it's good because the Lord has given it, but it's only good if it's put into action. I want to share something with you here. When you think of Jesus Christ and the woman at the, at the well in Samaria, he chose to get involved in the mess, right? He chose to do it. He had a choice. He could have quite easily avoided that social pariah, that situation. Nobody would have thought anything less of him. No, he chose that appointed time. Folks, you have a choice. You can choose to get involved in the mess of people's lives and you'll be blessed by it. Or you can choose to stay in our comfortable state. And there's a tendency, you know, I think uh, within the church just now and and certainly after COVID that we kind of hunker down and, you know, we're, we're trying to rebuild and all this kind of stuff. But honestly, the world out there can't wait for that. That's a challenge to me to come out of my complacency. It's a challenge to me to come out of my comfort zone. But I want you to know that if God can use someone like me to minister in compassion and tenderness, man, he can use you guys. 
He can use you guys. You've got it as well. You've got the gift of the Holy Spirit too. I was praying with a pastor the other day. And uh, how can I pray for you, brother? You know? And he started sharing. And, uh, but I just got a real sense that, you know, God was telling me that, how special he was and how much he loved him and how he delighted in him. I don't know why. You know, so I just started praying that. And I read to him from John 1, verse 12 and 13, that he was a child of God. And as I stopped praying, this pastor, and he's in tears, right? I don't know anything about his past or anything like that or his childhood or anything, but he needed to hear that tenderness and compassion. And that was the Father's heart for him, that he was so special in his sight. So as we, as we come into to close just now, I want to say, just finish on this and then we're going to pray. You know, it's infectious when you share into somebody's brokenness with the compassion and the tenderness of Christ. Look what happens. Look what happened to the woman, right? Nobody speaks to her in the town. She leaves her water jar, so she completely forgets what she's doing. She rushes back into town and says, hey, look, I found this guy. Maybe he's the Christ. You can imagine her. Come and see him. Come and see him. They're all going, man, she's nuts. She's lost it. Right? What is she going on about? But it's just this freshness, isn't it? That she's, you know, she meets the Lord. She tastes and sees that the Lord is good. But she can't keep it to herself and she wants to tell everybody about it. She wants to share her joy and her compassion. You know what? People get saved on account of that. Amen? People get saved on account of that. Hallelujah. You know? It's awesome. Verse 28. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Jesus didn't water it down, by the way. He nailed it. He says, oh, by the way, yeah, you've had five husbands and the man that you're living with, he knew exactly where she'd been. He called her out on it. And yet, what do you see? Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them and he stayed two days and, he, and, and because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. She introduced them to Jesus Christ. Okay, we're going to pray. And I want to pray for two things. Uh, and Pastor Mark, you want to come on up here. And uh, but two things. Firstly, you know, I do get a sense that maybe that's you this morning, and just that in in your pain and your brokenness, and and if you can come, you know, come and get prayer for that, and there's anguish there. But the other thing I want to pray for right now, and I'm just gonna, if you just bow your heads with me, and uh, and, and I'm just gonna ask the Holy Spirit to reveal those people in your life who are suffering and who need your touch. So Holy Spirit, will you just bring to mind those who are in pain and anguish in our family, 
in our friends, those who are brokenhearted, Lord, that you want us to minister to. Even now, you know, you're, you're maybe getting a picture of somebody or a name or something like that. Because the, the, the Father wants you to minister to that person. And it might just be a case of picking up the phone or going to see them or praying with them. How can I pray for you? But remember, you have a choice to do it. Secondly, you know, if that's you this morning, I just want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, this morning, if you're that person in anguish and pain and brokenhearted and God loves you this morning, he feels your pain, his heart aches for you this morning. So I pray, Holy Spirit, thank you, Father, for your heart. And just pray for those folks who are really hurting just now. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would come and minister to them in their pain and their anguish. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to hand over to Pastor Mark.